Hey, before we get started on the show today, Brian, something exciting uh, to tell you about. It's The Athletic. The Athletic. Uh, the place that- Our friends. Employs me. Yeah. And where this podcast is housed, you can get 40% off an annual subscription to The Athletic by going to theathletic.com slash glue guys. And I'll tell you why that's the place to be. It literally has the best writing in the world about sports. What's been really fun about working at The Athletic is getting a free athletic subscription. And there's a lot of writing within the archives of the very young company that is The Athletic that the athletic that is still fun to read. A lot of it isn't just like, hey, here's what happened in practice. It's more of personal profiles, deep dives into certain aspects of sports. If any of this sold you on signing up to become a subscriber at The Athletic, bless your soul. Bless your soul. So here's how you do it. 40% off. It's like 40 bucks. 40% off an annual subscription to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash glue guys. And if you do it, Brian and I look good. Mm, That's what we're always very concerned with. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, the Nets are back. We're going to talk about the Nets, talk about Karis LeVert, how he's looked in the bubble, and the tanking conversation writ large, how it's probably dead. Coming in hot. Welcome back to the glue guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, find us on Twitter at BK glue guys. I've also, I've just announced on our Twitter feed at BK glue guys that I'm going to begin actually tweeting from my own Twitter account. Whoa. A little bit more. Whoa. I'm going to continue to feed the BK glue guys. Does that mean I have to, does that mean, is this you telling me that I have to take over the BK glue guys account? Is that what this is? All right. If you don't know, if if people don't know, I mostly tweet from the BK Glue Guys account. Brian will dabble in there. Brian mostly gets into the replies. That's where Brian does his magic. He likes I, yeah. to confront people in the replies. No, not confront. Confront. Straight confront. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> no. But- I do have a hard time engineering the conversation. I do find that. I Well, I've written a lot of tweets that I haven't sent. That's what I'll do. I do a lot really? of drafts that never make it out. <laughs> I'm a real hand wringer with that stuff. But at Mike Smeltz. It, which is my name. You, wow, if, you, if you you're follow, plugging the Twitter. Nice. If you want a pure okay. understilled Mike Smelt's thoughts. Mike, you got something going on. I gotta, I'm on to you. What do you got figured out here? There's something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to build up my Twitter base so my bosses are like, oh, Mike, actually, people listen to Mike as opposed to my current 457 followers on Twitter. I don't tweet for my account. There's something, I, I like the anonymity of our BK Glue Guys account. I'm I'm spreading my life open. I'm busting open the walls. Spreading my life open. Close your life to Mary Ben. Like, don't... (laughs) You ever heard that song? Um, Well, that's nice. That's good. It's good to, you have, uh, you know, have a digital footprint that's, you know, you can't hide behind anonymous handles anymore and spread your hatred the way that you have. I have a huge LinkedIn fan base. I'll tell you that. That's true. Huge LinkedIn fan base. But I want to bring that LinkedIn fan base over to my Twitter at Mike Smeltz on Twitter. Follow your boy. And Brian, if people could dive into our iTunes page, five stars. Oh, Mike, we if we don't get it. into some Nets basketball before we plug another thing, I swear to God, someone <laughs> is going to come after us. It's going to happen. The Nets are back. Wow, 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 wow. wow. Brian. 
again. Wow. Um, the Nets are back. Oh, really back. This is our first pod that we are doing since the Nets have restarted their season in Orlando. We have seen two games as of this recording at 415 August 3rd, 2020. The Nets have played two games. The first game was against the Magic, which was a, a blowout, even though it ended up only being 10 points. But it was disgusting, ugly blowout, bad defense by the Nets. And then the Nets had the tanking bowl on Sunday against the Wizards. And we will discuss sort of the tanking aspect in Carousel overall. But, you know, everyone's doing this. But I feel like it, it from a Nets-centric point of view... How has it felt to you to see these games? Wow. How has it felt? Because wow. to me, I've just really super enjoyed it. I th- I, I, I like up. virtual fans. I like what the court looks like. I like that there's all this space. I think all this space makes the, the basketball like I actually can focus on basketball. Yeah. I've enjoyed it. You know, I have had, I would like to, so full disclosure, I've watched a lot of the games on replay because uh, they're at weird times of the day for me. So I, you know, I'm not used to these two. Who's used to a two o'clock on a Friday game? Not, not your boy. Um, no. So I watched that one after the fact and watching a blowout that, you know, is a blowout after it's, it's been blown, <laughs> blown all the way out uh, is harder to do. That's a little bit harder um, to, in order to get the, the vibe, right? You, my analytical mind is turned way up, you know, dial that yeah. in a million percent. <clears throat> but my, um, that fandom, you know, more empathetic side that's turned off. I killed that. It's dead. It's in the gutter. Um, that part of me is dead for that game. Um, and similarly, I had to watch the replay of uh, the Wizards game, which I was just in awe of Thomas Bryant the whole time. I'm just and, con- and continue to be <laughs> in awe. And uh, yeah, so that was my big takeaway from that. But yeah, so anyways, in terms of the aesthetic of the whole thing, I'm, I, I have a terrible prejudice because of the distance of the actual live thing. I'm, I'm excited to watch this Bucks game tomorrow at 1.30? I, th- I think. <laughs> I oh, think. Breaking news, Brian. <laughs> what? And this is partly, oh, we'll this. have yeah, yeah. talk about the taking conversation. The Nets are not going to play, mm. if you don't know, the Nets are not going to play Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and Joe Harris. Good in- So the way the Nets schedule works out is they play 1.30 on Tuesday, 1.30 p.m., and they play a 9 o'clock game on the next day, on Wednesday, against the Celtics. And, you know, I think any reasonable Nets fan, particularly ones that watch the Orlando Magic game, do not assume the Nets will be successful, even with a Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Joe Harris-led squad against your Milwaukee Bucks, a Bucks team that just lost to the Houston Rockets. So they're probably slightly motivated to win basketball games, as they have been all season long. Just just a quick little note here. Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, and Jared Allen combined for, well, Harris had 34, Joe Harris had 27, and Jared Allen had 22 points in the last game against the Wizards. Uh, only one other player on the Nets got double figures. Brian's boy, Chris Chioza. Dude, he's been looking great. Can I, can I say that? I'm trying to turn off my inner fanboy because I'm, I'm beginning to fanboy over Chris Chioza. Based on what I saw in the Wizards game, especially just nice decision-making, you know, a, a both the ability to play conservatively and with a little bit more energy, turn it up. Oftentimes when you have those like backup point guards, you're either getting one or the other. You know, you can either get a, a zippy offensive guy or just sort of like your, you know, your standard uh, defensive minded sort of playmaking archetype. Eh, I actually don't even agree with that. There's a bunch of different kinds. But <laughs> but in this case, he, he can be a little bit of anything that you need at a given time. Um, I've been really impressed. I've just been really impressed. He seems like a like a, a veteran out there. It seems like he's played more basketball than he really has. Um, I think the key about for me for Chris Chioza is that 
So game one of the restart against the Magic, he was one for six from the field. Yeah, I, I didn't even, you know, I didn't think about the Magic game. But to me, it's actually important that he came back and he was six for eight from the field against the Wizards for 14 points, six, six assists. And what's key about that is that, like, <laughs> there is a chance that Chioza would immediately seem like a completely outclassed by playing. And if he had followed up the Orlando game where then he goes against the Wizards and has another bad shooting night... He almost becomes unplayable because our boy, the big cheese, though he can be pesky on defense, I actually think his peskiness kind of hurts him in some situations because he is aggressive at trying to swipe the ball away because I think he feels like that is the way that he'll contribute on defense. And then he gets out of position by swiping at the ball and then a guy blows by him and then the defense completely breaks down like they did against the Magic and the Magic, who are the worst offensive team in basketball score 128 points on you and you know what so yeah he really yeah. needs to get away from that too because the few times that i've seen him like stand straight up with his def with the like on defense and actually put stay at home the whole time he's been pretty great at it you know he really should just like rely on that athleticism you know what's funny is like when atkinson got fired there was like a big deal that like uh the nets are going to go to this whole switching defense and like they're going to do what a lot of teams have done which is we're going to switch everything and that's going to simplify things, and I, the Nets' defense will get better. Even though under Atkinson, obviously a totally different roster because you had Dinwiddie and Wilson Chandler and DeAndre Jordan and Torian Prince and a whole bunch of other better players than they have right now. But the Nets were good on defense after month one of the NBA la this past season. They, they improved, and I think they ended up being like middle of the pack, which again, from what they started the season, which was the worst team in the league defensively, that ended up being pretty good. So I didn't really think the defensive structure had to change all that much. A, a switching structure should seem like it's simpler, but it, what it does is it can lead to miscommunications. And when those miscommunications happen, because it's not just like, hey, you switch every time the ball comes across you and there's a pick. It's not always like that. It's actually there. there's a level of aggression that you still have to pursue into the pick if you're the defender. There's there's an I Everyone has to be on an understanding of how aggressive each player is going to be while guarding their man. And the Nets, I mean, 128 points to the Magic, who basically didn't score in the fourth quarter, was eye-opening. And this is why I'm glad we're potting now, and we didn't pod directly after that game on Friday. Um, because if we did, our conversation would have been, this team should probably tank. And and they now, now and I'll we can continue to talk about Chris Chioza, but tanking is dead, just so everyone knows. It, it It is officially, by beating the Wizards, the Nets are seven games up from the Wizards in, in the race to get to the eighth seed. And actually, the Nets are now only a half a game back from Orlando again. So it's not like, again, there's actually a chance that the Nets do, in fact, rise up to the level of the seventh seed all over again. But the, the Wizards have to win four games to get within four games of the Nets, you figure the Nets are going to win maybe one more game along the way. Then the Wizards would have to literally win four games against probably pretty good competition. They play, this is who they play. They're playing Indiana right now as we speak. The Wizards do. Then they play the Sixers. The Sixers are kind of a mess, but who knows? The Pelicans should be good if Zion Williamson's allowed to play basketball. Then they play the Oklahoma City Thunder. Very good. Then they play Milwaukee. Then they play Boston. I don't see four wins in that pile. And the Wizards need four wins at the very least to get to to, to trigger that play-in tournament. 
that's not going to happen. So unfortunately, the Nets are not going to have their draft pick. And unfortunately, you know, the Nets are going to play the Bucks in the first round. Now, by not putting out Karis LeVert, Joe Harrison, Jared Allen, the Nets are going to sneak up on the Bucks because <laughs> right. that's the plan. That's the middle. Jock Vaughn, we talk checkers chess. This yeah. is checkers v Dungeons and Dragons. Right. This is it's a different board game. It's not even in the same this is a game of pirates of dice inside a game of Dungeons and Dragons. That's how elaborate <laughs> this game is. Um, but so that's the but that is the tanking conversation. But Tyler Johnson, what? So we still have this Chioza Tyler Johnson debate. Tyler Johnson got more minutes in the Wizards game. If you don't look at just the shooting, if you look at the periphery stuff. Five assists, six rebounds, a block, and a steal. Okay, but then he, he shot. He was 0 for 7 from the field, 0 for 4 from 3. How is Tyler Johnson's game impressed upon you? <laughs> Hard- <laughs> Not that great. <laughs> Not that great. I don't want a real impression Mr. Johnson's made. <laughs> I don't want to. Here's what I don't want to do. I, I feel like. Get in on him, Brian. No, no, no. Because here's why. Because I, I liked him in those, in that, I get the second scrimmage game. I'm trying to remember now. Um, and there was a lot to like. Yeah. That I think, so I'm, here's what I want to do. I want a keister that that Tyler Johnson take for just like another two games because I am letting it marinate. And this is not just a cop out. I, I really hope it's not it's not seen as a cop out by all of our by Glue Nation. Um, I just don't I think that like my impression of Tyler Johnson is that it's uh, I, I mean, he is he's one of those like really deeply inconsistent players. And, and so like I need to begin to find a bigger average in that inconsistency. Um, I will say this though. I think that they're doing something interesting with Karis Levert finally and figuring out how to how to like get him to be more efficient on a on a super consistent basis. And that is letting him run the break. Like they are let it, they're getting it to him behind half court at full speed. And and I think it's putting people in an interesting position. They're having to switch out on him earlier and he's already beat his man because he's pretty fast in the open court. And that leads like to some better, some more space for his playmaking, which always feels very claustrophobic. We've talked about it in the past. Um, it's feeling a little bit airy now, you know, and a lot yes. of that has to do with just being moving faster past, like, you know, just screaming past half court and, and getting into his offense. I think that that's working really well for him. So, and I actually think that that's a thing you can like rely on. That's a weapon that you can go to when you're with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant next year. I think that that's a, like a reliable weapon because neither of those two guys are like, I mean, Kyrie Irving is obviously super fast and everything, but, um, he's a pretty like surgical operator in the half court and he should have the ball there. But I think it's a great idea to have Karis Levert give a, like a, you know, a berserker run at the rim to start any offensive set. And then if that doesn't work out, then okay, fine. You reset. He's been... The Wizards game, he played 39 minutes, which is kind of incredible, particularly in the bubble environment, which is a little concerning because I'm glad that he's not playing against the Bucks. because, I mean, we saw with Jonathan Isaac, he was coming back from an injury, he gets pressured into, he plays, and then he tears his ACL on the same knee that he got hurt. We can't talk about that, Mike, because that's the big fear, okay? And and. I've talked about this before, and again and again and again, I'm getting better. I feel better and better and better that our boy Kevin Durant, our other buddy, friend of the show, uh, Kevin Durant, silver lining, yeah. did not play because all the, the statistics on injuries, all the injury analytics say having an extremely long layoff like this and then going into basketball, even though I think the NBA has done a smart way they've done it, they've done a series of practices, scrimmages, and then these games, and then that will lead into playoffs. I think that's a nice ramp up, but still the injury analytics say such a long layoff leading into professional basketball, professional sport leads to 
some much larger soft tissue injury chances. Frankly, Karis LeVert, we should be concerned about injury because that's the that's just his whole career. Even though they have not been soft tissue, he's had injuries, right? He's had tons of injuries. So I like that they're they're being conservative. But again, like, what are they playing for? Karis LeVert's play. I mean, he has that look that like I am the guy now. Like it's no longer. Remember, like LeVert early in his career, we felt like we compared to like a baby deer. You know, you could see the legs, you could see the athleticism. Mike, that's funny you say that because you began with saying he has no legs. You couldn't see the legs. Like, <laughs> literally, you had trouble with that. He was a legless baby deer <laughs> wobbling, yeah. wobbling around Rolling, out there. Yeah. And now he just knows what he wants to do. And I think partly the confidence comes from knowing that he is literally the best player on the team by miles. There's no, not even a Dinwiddie to, to fall back on. And... It's like we talk about ourselves as basketball players. Brian, I'm a horrible basketball player. I think no. we can safely say that. Come on. But if I'm on the floor and I'm the best player on the floor, I'm like, I'm going at the rim, baby. I What else am I going to do? I can't rely on Chris Chioza to score 24 points a game. Karis Silver can't, can't <laughs> rely on. <laughs> I'm trying to get. Okay. So you're playing on. Anyways, go ahead. Right. Just just overall. Sure. Yeah. Like, I, I think there's a psychological benefit that we're seeing right now to Lavert being the guy. Now we've talked about this before. He's not going to be the guy next year. And Jared Dudley, friend of the show, Jared Dudley tweeted out about Lavert. He says, "I see Lavert as a potential All Star in the East, a twenty-five and five guy. What he needs to work on is catch and shoot threes. Because when he plays with those next two guys, KD and Ky- Kyrie, that he's going to get most Obviously, of those." Obviously, Jared Dudley's listening to our podcast and stealing our takes. I mean, is that fair to say at this point? I think it's one hundred percent fair. Yeah. Like many other people that have listened to our podcast and stories. Name names. Takes. Give them the names. <laughs> and then they, the stories about the things that we have discussed on the show have popped up elsewhere on this? the web. Who? Let's just say. Like air that some, dirty laundry. I want to sniff. was the breeding ground for Greg Popovich to, to Brooklyn. Oh, wow. Right? Wow. You know what? We were, <laughs> we were the amoebas that eventually the entire, all the dinosaurs grew out of. Right, we were the the ones the single cell organisms from which mastodons and T Rexes. You know what? Grew you know, I'm, I'm not even sure that that's the best because we got you specifically got kind of steamrolled by a few people on that take. You were like, you know, at the end of Game of Thrones when they have that battle and they send out the um, like the horseback guys to just get like annihilated first for no reason, <laughs> <laughs> but then everyone else goes. That was you, Mike. You were the horseback guy that they sent out into the night with your torch that got duffed. <laughs> but you ended up I was on the front lines. You were on the front lines. You got duffed, but hey, everyone else <laughs> muddied and bloodied. Yeah. And um and now suddenly I see Greg Popovich to the Spurs is not that crazy. Uh I see podcasts about it. I, it was I on, see literally on ESPN. It was it. uh uh Wilbon was was asked about it. Come on. <laughs> I, you know, Michael Wilbon stole my take. No. But where, where was this leading from? Where was the origins of that? We were talking about Karis Levert. Oh, and and he needing to set shot three, like be able to right. shoot. Jared Dudley stealing her takes. I so we are missing that data point, like I keep saying. But the data point we're getting was just something that you couldn't have predicted. Really, was that like Levert is rising to the moment, and I think that's a huge deal because ultimately, what this team is going to need in the third star is just someone who can carry their weight. In a big moment, Lavert had a really great series in his first real taste of the playoffs against the Sixers last year. As the lead dog on this team in this moment, 
He's been phenomenal thus far. I'm extremely interested, and this is also kind of why I didn't want the Nets to tank, though it would be intriguing to get the ninth overall pick in, in any draft, particularly to use for draft capital. I am more intrigued to see Levert in the playoffs, even if it's against the Bucs, even if it's going to be like the worst series the NBA has seen in a decade. I'm still excited to see what Levert may do in this moment. He is just so determined getting to the bucket, getting his shot off. He doesn't really respect any of the defenders on him. Again, even against a Magic team, which is good, he played pretty well. He's, you know, 17 points, 7 assists. He's taking on more of that creator role. I've, I've been so impressed by how he's played in the bubble and then preceding the bubble. Have you been watching any uh, of the Wizards? Were you, were you keyed in? Do you care about the Wizards anymore, Mike? Be honest. What's going on with you and the Wiz? I don't care about this Wizards team because it's it's like the same thing that Nets fans are going through right now. Like we're waiting for next year. Mm. Are, are you you're waiting for next year in the same way that Nets fans are waiting for next year? You have high well, next hopes year, for next year. Next year, John Wall will be on the floor. And I'm <laughs> I'm a John Wall believer, man. Are you? A believer think, a believer in like forty five wins? I mean, what's the what's the belief? What's the pinnacle of that belief system? Well, the pinnacle is because Beal has risen two levels since we last really saw John Wall. If John Wall is 90, 80% of what he was, which is actually probably going to be helpful because his diminished state will allow Bradley Beal to be the lead dog. Which, which, which John Wall is going to love. He's going to love that. He's going to love seeding the top doggedness to a guy that he's argued about that exact thing over the years, right? I mean, isn't that the, isn't that the meme? He needs to see top dogness to Beal specifically. But does, and but I think does he, he you know that, but does he know that? I think he does because I, th- I still think their games can work in tandem with each other. Like, I still think there's John Wall can bring up the ball. I got to hear what, he can what's, set up the, offense what's the win and, total. I got to hear this win total. Well, they haven't won 50 games in 30 years. So it's not 50, 47. Davis Bertans. Can I give you a little interest? You in a little Davis Burton? You can you can interest me in a lot of people. Some some Rui Hakamura, some Mo Wagner. I'm, I mean, Mo Wagner, man, got an interesting big big Harry Potter fan. Yeah. Big Harry Potter fan. I'm. A, can I'm I just pretty, do one? Yeah, go ahead, please. Go ahead. One last Levert point. Yeah, please. But I data point as I. Like By the way, do you like how I just didn't answer about Tyler Johnson? Did that yes. resonate for you? I thought that was reasonable because you're right. We it's two games. What are we gonna do? Roast the guy. Um, I do think your observation in the scrimmages is holding true where it's very mid-rangey. It's very, I'm, I'm putting up that shot and it's, we're, we're unleashing. Like I heard even Sarah Kustak said on the broadcast that, <laughs> that Jacques is letting these guys, is going to let these guys shoot mid-range like they never have before. <laughs> and the Nets have become a mid-range monster. Yeah. Not in a good Paying way. Paying huge dividends. In a Charlize Theron way, their <laughs> mid-range monster. I've never saw that movie. So Great movie, really good. That could be highly inappropriate. I, I apologize. No, no. I mean, I mean, she is a, a murderer in the movie, but oh, good. It's yeah. Uh, I like the part where she tries to be a lawyer, the, like in middle, like she's just had like this like train wreck of a life, and like she's trying to like you know change is it around. Aaron Brockovich. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Whoops, my mistake. Is that the same movie? Yeah, um, basically. One final Levert point is. His March, this was these were his numbers in March uh, leading into, well, let's start in February. February, he was 21 points, five assists, four rebounds. In March, which was only five games, but still, it was 27 points, six assists, and six rebounds. In two games in the bubble so far, 
he's he's had 17 points and 34 points. He's had five assists and about five rebounds. He he has continued on his path as being that highly productive. And let's let's believe Jared Dudley for a moment. If he is a 25 and five guy, Levert, maybe maybe his game doesn't fit the best with Katie and Kyrie, but it is trending in the direction where like it just doesn't really make sense to include him in a deal unless if you're getting yeah top some, top some, talent some dudes. CJ McCollum. We'll ha- we'll have to do this whole exercise of exactly where yeah. that line is, where, exactly where it is. Oh, the Levert line, the Levert. Brian. <laughs> I can't believe I just thought of that. What is it? That's a good idea. Not, we should do that. Can we? By the way, uh, for all other podcasts, there we have trademarked the Levert line, and no one else is allowed to use that. Looking at for looking now. at you, Jared Dudley. Um. Oh, that would have been a good pitch to an ad. But I don't have an ad. Um, any other bubble thoughts before I get to a, a little Joe side nugget? Um, more bubble talk. More. Bu- oh, uh, one of the things I had a note is um, it's hard for me to know everybody's name. With the <laughs> I mean, we're getting pretty deep into these benches here, and I've. It's funny you get used to reading the the names on the backs of the jersey for who who's playing. You know, we're we're pretty plugged into the NBA, but you know that's a. That's, we're deep in these benches, Mike, for some of these teams. Um, and I would particularly for the Nets. Yeah. <laughs> for the like, for the team for whom I have a podcast, <laughs> I sometimes need a reference. Point of reference. Anyways, that's not to say that, you know, having political messaging on your <laughs> on your on your person is great. I'm all about it. Can we have both? Can they coexist? Can we not lose our identity to the political messaging? It, it's a lot harder than I thought it was gonna. I didn't even think that it was gonna be an issue. But it is an issue, and of course, yes, we we at the, the, the at BK Glue Guys on Twitter or at Mike Smeltz on Twitter fully support Garrett Temple to have education reform on the back of his jersey, or if Spencer Dinwiddie had played Trillion, if he could have put that on the back of his, which really would have felt in a like someone had I, someone I forget I love you Spencer, but that really would have felt a, a tad out of step. Someone had group economics on the back of their jersey. I think it was a Pacers player. And I just never heard that 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 phrasing before, group economics. What, what does that mean? I'm not sure. I got to look into it. Have you seen the Mavericks back of their jerseys? They, no, not so yet. They have a pretty international squad. Right. And so Lucas is in, Lucas Slovenian, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's, it's in that language. Uh, they're German, they're German <laughs> in that player. German player. Language <laughs> has uh, Maxi Kleber has a as a German phrase. It's really it's kind of cool. I mean, I, I love seeing my favorite one is TLC's uh, Liberty in in French is what he has in the back, and that just like looks looks fantastic. I I've been really I sometimes I'm I am on the floor thinking like who are these people? I don't know. Particularly the Nets, because I, there's so many new guys on the Nets that I, I'm just like, who, who? What's happening right now? Dante Hall. When Lance Thomas steps out, I'm. I need that. I need that Thomas. I need to see it. I need to see it for a second. What we have coming up for the Nets is there is that midday game to start off the action tomorrow against the Bucks without Karis LeVert, without Joe Harris, or without Jared Allen. Can we just construct an, a, a lineup for a second? <laughs> oh boy. Okay, well, yeah. I'll tell you who the starting lineup was for the last game. It was Jared Allen, and Lance Thomas, Joe Harris, Jared Allen, Tyler Johnson, and Karis LeVert. Yeah. What is the Nets starting lineup? Oh, boy. So, so it, to me, it's Tyler Johnson, Chris Chioza. At the two? You're going Chioza at the two? Or is that how, you, is that how well, you ordered it? The exciting nugget is that Jamal Crawford is now questionable. Not oh. He may actually play basketball. So maybe – but I. But do you start – 
Jamal Crawford the second he's out allowed to play. Dude, I miss. I'm pissed about Michael Beasley. This would be a perfect Beasley game. Oh my god, Beasley would go right at the Bucks. Yeah, go right at him. Stare down Random. Giannis. Wouldn't take any guff. No, from Giannis. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, yeah, let's all pray that that Jamal Crawford saves us from what might be a not super fun game to watch <laughs> and makes it maybe not a super competitive game, but at least more fun to watch. Right. I, to me, the Does most fun lineup that you can construct if we're going fun of, of the, all the available guys is a Jamal Crawford, Chris Chioza, Rodion's Karuks, Dante Hall. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Lance Thomas. <laughs> yeah. Timothy Luolo. Yeah, Capero, yeah, I've actually gets in there. Um, Sweet. Then that's a W that's wrecked. <laughs> Get to count it. Come on. It'll be fun. So this pod will maintain, and then they play the Celtics on Wednesday night, and then we'll we'll pod again on Thursday probably, and we'll continue to discuss, and we'll see where the Nets are at. Yeah. Big pod on Thursday. Do you want to – What uh, the Boston game is late. Do you see that? It's at 9. Why can't they just give us a normal time? What, what is that? They want to space these out so they get viewership all day. <sighs> okay, fine. Have it your way. Defend the NBA, why don't you? In a pandemic, no less. Thank you all for listening. This was the Glue Guys show. Uh, Mike, thank you for having me. Um, What would we do with five stars if we had them and we wanted them? We would love them and we would appreciate it. And it would help out the show. Great. Nice. Succinct. Bye, everybody. Bye.